What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the T-Geniuses themselves, my great friends at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week two of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2019-2020 NFL regular season and postseason. We're off to a late start today. It's 11 a.m. local here in sunny, beautiful Bridgewater, a lot later than I'm usually used to getting the show started, but the betting picks are off to a slow start too, so I guess that's just on brand. Uh, absolutely nothing wrong with the straight up picks here in week one went 10-5-1. and one. Anytime you get double digits, you've had yourself a good week picking the game straight up. The betting picks, however, did leave more than a little bit to be desired, and we left quite a bit on the table in week one. Only went 5-10-1 against the spread. It's a slow start there. And only went 6-10 and 10 on the over-unders. I struggle historically with over-unders, so that wasn't a huge surprise to me. But struggling as much as I did against the spread in week one, that did definitely come as a surprise and something we're looking to turn around quick, fast, and in a hurry here in week two. My platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks basically followed suit with my picks as a whole. I was 4-0 straight up, had Seattle beating uh, Cincinnati, had the Chargers beating Indianapolis, had the Chiefs beating Jacksonville, and had the Saints beating Houston. All four of those things worked out. However, I only got one of those games correct against the spread, and only one of those games correct on the total. Luckily, it was the silver pick. We did actually sweep the silver pick in week one, which is good. KC beat Jacksonville 40-26. to KC covered the minus three and a half spread, which I thought was crazy low for this game. And the game went over 52 points, so we swept there. But as far as the betting picks go for the other three, uh, the bronze pick, the gold pick, and the platinum pick... Missed him against the spread and missed the total. In Saints-Houston, I had Saints minus 7. They only won the game by 2. I had the game staying under 53.5 points, and it gets to 58. Uh, in Chargers-Colts, I had the Chargers by 6.5. So I only got half-pointed there as the game went to overtime. But they only won by 6 points. That's a loss. And I had the game staying under 44.5 points, which it did not as it went into overtime. And in Seahawks-Bengals, I had the Seahawks covering a 9.5 point spread. They only won the game by a single point, 21-20. to 20. And I also had the game going over 44 points. It only gets to 41. So quite a few of those picks were close. They were like kind of coin flips one way or the other based on the line. I mean, I get half pointed in one game. Totals I missed by a single possession here or there. But uh, look, losses are losses and I'm not going to make excuses for them. Checking in on the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick'em pools for 2019. In the Bridgewater's Finest pool, I'm right in that meaty part of the curve after week one. 17th place out of the 37 people we already have in that pool, which I'm rather excited about. Pulled in 105 out of 136 possible confidence points in week one. That's a 77% clip and historically at 7% higher than a usual championship pace in this pool. Shout out to the week one winner, Justin V, who went 12-3-1 in week one with 122 out of 136 possible confidence points. Anytime you can hit 90% in a week, you're off to a hell of a good start. He won week one and he's the overall leader. 
Much the same in the YouTube progs pool. I'm tied for 16th out of the 35 people we have in that pool. Uh, going 10 and 6 straight up. So got 10 of the 16 games correct. That's a clip of 63%. Obviously we want to be higher and we're going to be higher as the season goes along. Shout out to our week one winner, Half Moon's Picks. Got 14 of the 16 games correct straight up in week one he won week one he's the overall leader it came down to him and another fellow youtube prog keith bailey who both were 13 and 2 heading into the final monday nighter last night the denver oakland game half moon gets it right he goes 14 and 2 so shout out to justin v and half moon's picks stephen coleman for being our week one winners and overall leaders also checking in on Chris Carter, the Hatbox Kids survival pool for this season. Obviously, I'm still alive. This is a pool where you have two strikes before you're out. I have zero strikes. All 35 people in the pool are still left. However, five already have one strike just after week one. I took Seattle as my survival pool pick last week. They made me sweat it, but they wound up winning the game. So still alive, zero strikes in the survival pool. Taking a quick peek into Fantasy Corner here and checking how my eight fantasy football teams did in week one action. Look, I was even money. I was only four and four. It's a relatively slow start for week one in fantasy. I usually jump out of the gate stronger than that. In the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League, I picked up the loss in week one against Anthony Cormier. He won the league last year. A very, very strong team buoyed by Patrick Mahomes. He's hurt a little bit by the Tyreek Hill injury, but I get the feeling his team's going to be fine. Off to an 0-1 start there. I got a week two matchup against Conrad, one of the couple of Aussies that we have in the league. We're a real international league, the professionals are. Week two matchup against Conrad. It's a projected win, but right now it's by like a point or two, I think. So that's a real coin flip. Got plenty of work to do there. In the official NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, I picked up the win in week one. I needed the Philip Lindsay performance that he put up last night. I needed that performance to win, but it was enough to get me over Gavin O'Connor, fellow NFL YouTube prog. 1-0 in that pool. I got a week two matchup against Half Moon's picks. That is a projected victory for me. So, Anthony and Gavin, thank you so much for the matchups in week one. Conrad and Half Moon, let's do this in week two. And I'll take this opportunity, as I always do, to remind you that if you go to the description of the video on YouTube or of the audio file on SoundCloud or iTunes, you are going to find all of my results from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week two of the 2019 NFL season. You're going to find information on joining both the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators. Pick them pools on Yahoo. Very simple process. Get in, put your picks head to head against not only mine, but all the best in this community. You are going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube prognosticators Facebook page, which we are looking to grow significantly this season. Head on over there click the link that's in the description and join up on the facebook page and you're also going to find information on my fantastic sponsors at nerd Tees. folks you can head over to nerdtease.ca use my promo code that is bw finest and that promo code is going to save you 15 percent at checkout you're also going to get free shipping on any order in Canada, over 75 bucks. So if you're one of my many, many Canadian listeners across the country, order more than $75 worth of tea when you go to nerdtees.ca or tea accessories, of course, 
and you're going to get yourself some free shipping. Or if you're one of my many American listeners, look, go to that website, two clicks of a button, all of a sudden everything is in US dollars for you. You get an excellent conversion rate on the US dollar. Right now, the blend that I am sipping on this morning to help me with a little bit of a sore throat, I am sipping on watermelon oolong, and it is absolutely unquestionably my favorite blend that Nerd Teas makes. It's delicious. It smells just like watermelon. It tastes just like watermelon. It's good hot. It's good cold. It's the most versatile tea that I have found on their website. My absolute favorite. I can't recommend it strongly enough. Nerdteas.ca. Hit that promo code BWFinest. Save that money. Get your free shipping. Find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love. Again, Christmas just around the corner. You can do all of that on nerdtease.ca. All right, plugs and housekeeping done. Let's get to our picks, the games for week two. We are going to get started in Cincinnati where the Bengals go home for a date with the San Francisco 49ers. Bengals come into this one off that one-point loss in Seattle in week one, the game that I actually had as my platinum pick, which we've mentioned before. Look, I thought Cincinnati played very well in that game. I thought the defense looked really good. Granted, Seattle's offensive line, eh, not exactly great. But I thought the defense looked good. I thought the offense moved the ball very well, especially in lieu of the Joe Mixon injury. And that's one of the big storylines heading into this game this week. Joe Mixon rolled his ankle in week one. His status right now is unknown for this game. Obviously, that's a big question mark. Were he limited or were he not able to go? It would be to your benefit, fantasy football players, to see if you can jump on Gio Bernard. I mean, a waiver claim may even be worth it here. I don't expect Mixon's going to miss any time, but if he plays in this game, he is going to be limited, and he is probably going to be on the proverbial pitch count in terms of how many snaps he plays. So Gio Bernard, strong pickup. 49ers, look, I raised my hand. I was wrong about the 49ers. Yes, they were only 4-20 and on the road in the last three years heading into that game last week, but I just didn't peg Jameis Winston to throw 42 pick sixes. So look, San Francisco did their job. They won that game in Tampa Bay by two possessions. And honestly, fairly decent performance. But we talk about the injury situation that Cincinnati has. San Francisco has one as well. Tevin Coleman, diagnosed with a high ankle sprain, is likely to miss multiple weeks for the 49ers. What this means is you're probably looking at a running back by committee for the next few weeks, probably headed up by Matt Breda, although Raheem Mostert will certainly spell him and get passing down work. So if you're in a PPR league, Mostert may be worth rostering. I don't think I'd waste a waiver claim on him, but once he's available as a free agent, he'd be worth a pickup for sure. At the risk of being pegged a 49ers hater, look, this is back-to-back road games. And they won their game last week. I've been talking about it on this show for years. How difficult it is to win back-to-back games away from your own building. Had San Francisco lost last week but still looked good... I might look at them in an upset here, but with how good Cincinnati looked to me in week one in a really tough building to only lose that game by a single point, even if Joe Mixon is limited in this game, I still like the Bengals here. So we are going to jump on the Cincinnati Bengals at home. I got the Bengals beating the 49ers. 
Uh, against the spread, the Bengals are only favored by a single point. So look, we like them to win. It's the smallest of prices to pay. So we are going to lay that single point. We're going to go Cincinnati minus the one point. Total in the game set at 44.5 points. I think this is actually pretty darn near a perfect total. And again, look, I struggled a little bit on the totals last week. Although, look, two more bouncing my way and I would have been 500. But still... I think it's pretty close to a perfect total. My lean on this one before I even saw the total was that it would probably go over because I just, again, really liked the way the Bengals moved the football. And look, this Bengals receiving core, I tweeted it actually during the game, this Bengals receiving core is underrated. There is nothing wrong at all with Tyler Boyd. There is nothing wrong at all with John Ross III. They got a two-headed monster at tight end in Tyler Eifert and CJ Uzoma. And then when you have... Uh, Joe Mixon, who runs as good as he does, and even when you have Gio Bernard in there on passing downs, this is a good offense. This offense will only be limited by what Andy Dalton can do. I thought Andy Dalton looked fine last week. I think this game goes over, so I'm going to skew on the over here, go over 44.5 points in San Fran, Cincinnati. Let's go Cincinnati 24, San Francisco 21. You're also going to notice that I skipped the Thursday night game. That's because we talk about it later. Let's go to Detroit now where the Lions are going to go home to welcome the Los Angeles Chargers into town. Was that embarrassing last week? Is, it, is, that, is that what we call that? I think that's what we have to call that. Detroit and Arizona last week tie 27-27, another GD week one tie. I'm just glad I didn't have a ton of confidence points on that game. I, I had more than I would have liked to knowing the result, but you know, at least I didn't lose 16 or 15 points on it. But they tie 27-27. They go through overtime, exchange field goals. Detroit had this game won. They had that football game won and they let Arizona back into the game. And look, Kyler Murray and the Arizona offense, they did their job. They put up the points, got the game to overtime. Like Detroit had it. They absolutely had it. And I get this sinking feeling that this is a bad football team. Chargers and Colts also went to overtime last week. So this is two teams that played a little bit of extra football last week. But the Chargers got the job done. They won that game 30-24 to in their home building. Yes, I had them covering minus 6.5. But look... Ultimately, they still got the job done, and at the very least, it didn't end in a tie. Both of these teams moved the ball very well in week one. They both had over uh, 430 yards of total offense. Detroit having over 475, they moved the ball very well through the air. Chargers moved it well through the air, ran the ball very well, 125 yards rushing. Austin Eckler had a very, very good game. He is going to look to take this opportunity. I mean, this is, this is one of the premier opportunities in the NFL this season for Austin Eckler to step in while Melvin Gordon's having his hissy fit and holding out, he can step in and say, look, you don't need that guy because you've got me. It's one of the ultimate opportunities this season. And based on week one, Eckler's certainly running with it. And I think he's going to have room to run with it again this week. I think the run game is going to be paramount in this game. So you're talking about Austin Eckler versus Carrion Johnson because the Chargers got ran all over by Marlon Mack last week to the tune of 203 yards rushing that the Colts had as a team against the Chargers last week. That's too many. 
uh, and they will definitely clean that up. The Chargers secondary, very good against Jacoby Brissett, only gave up 173 yards passing. So the run game, I think, is what's going to be really on display in this football game. And if it comes down to that, honestly, I think I like the Chargers a little bit more. Look, top to bottom, I just think the Chargers are the better football team here between the two. Even though the game is in Detroit, let's take the Chargers to beat the Lions. On the line, Lions are two and a half point dogs at home. I like the Chargers to win. It's a very small price to pay at only two and a half points. Let's lay those points and take the Chargers minus the two and a half. Total in the game set at 48 points, which is I think is a little bit high for a game that I do think is going to be predicated a lot by the run game. I've only got this thing capped at a low 40, so we're going to stick under on this total. Let's go under 48 points in Chargers-Lions. Let's go Chargers 25, Lions 17. Let's go to Green Bay now. Matchup of the NFC North Packers playing host to the Minnesota Vikings. Both of these teams picking up wins in week one, although the wins did definitely come in different shapes. I mean, Green Bay had that victory on opening night on Thursday night, 10-3 in Chicago. A sloppy, boring, not very fun game to watch across the board I was invested because I'm a Packers fan and of course I was happy that they won the game but it's one of those games that I'm not exactly proud that they won I'm happy that they won it but not exactly proud Vikings meanwhile did face stiff competition at home against the Atlanta Falcons we mentioned last week Falcons have won more road games than they've lost over the last three seasons so not exactly the easiest out and Minnesota handled them on both sides of the football 28 to 12. Two teams obviously that know each other very, very well. Green Bay does have the benefit here of having the long week, taking that extra time to rest up and game plan and prepare for a critical matchup. Obviously their home opener, nobody wants to lose the home opener. However, it is worth pointing out that the Vikings have absolutely dominated this head-to-head matchup in recent memory since the beginning of 2016 literally since january of 2016 so not even the beginning of the 2016 season no since january of 2016 the packers have one win and a tie against minnesota all the other games that have been played the vikings have won and the vikings i believe have covered most of those numbers because a lot of the times they go in as the betting underdog It's not exactly going to be the greatest conditions to pass the ball. So if this comes down to a run game versus a run game, based on what I saw last week, I can't really bet against Dalvin Cook and the Vikings in that spot. So as much as it pains me, I got to take the Vikings in this game. I want to take Green Bay. Obviously, I want to have the homer pick. Had a little bit of the homer pick last week, but it worked out, so I'm okay with it. But uh, I, I just think Minnesota right now, top to bottom, Especially on the defensive side, I just think they're the better football team. If Green Bay comes out and proves me wrong, expect me to be a homer for the rest of the season. But in this matchup, I think I got a skew on the team that has had the better of the head-to-head in recent memory. So let's go with the Minnesota Vikings in Green Bay to hang a loss on the Packers. Start the Packers off 0-1 at home. On the line, the Packers are three-point favorites at home. Since we like Minnesota to win, I'm going to take those points and go Vikings plus three. This would be an excellent spot, I would think, to maybe do a six-point tease on this game. Maybe tease the Vikings up to plus nine. Total in the game set at 44.5 points. This is a perfect total. 
I think this is a true coin flip for what we are actually going to see. I am going to, this is a pure lean. Like this is just like the slightest of leans, like a 51-49 lean. I think I'm going to lean over on it, but it's not going to be by a whole lot. Let's go Vikings 24, Packers 21, and it kind of hurts. Let's go to Tennessee now for another divisional matchup. we got the Titans coming home, playing host to the Indianapolis Colts. Titans with a dominant 30-point victory against everybody's Super Bowl champion in the preseason, the Cleveland Browns. Tennessee came out, popped the Browns in the mouth, and the Browns had absolutely no answer for it. Of course, if you listened to my episode last week, you'd have known Tennessee was going to win that game. Colts had that aforementioned overtime loss in week one, dropping a 30-24 to decision in Los Angeles to the Chargers. But honestly, I think the Colts looked better on the offensive side than a lot of teams and a lot of people expected the Colts to look, obviously with the turmoil that they have had in the offseason. T.Y. Hilton looked excellent. Marlon Mack looked like the monster truck that I expected him to be. He was certainly as advertised, better than advertised, in fact. Marlon Mack had a hell of a game in week one. The Titans played Titan football in week one, man. They The passing game wasn't exactly the greatest, but the run game was very, very good. 123 yards rushing, led by Derrick Henry, had a rush touchdown, had a receiving touchdown. He had a big week. Everyone's been doubting Derrick Henry for the longest time, and I've been sitting here going, this guy has all the tools to be incredible in this league, and he showed exactly what he can do in week one, especially that 75-yard pass rumble. Granted, it was his only catch of the game, but he certainly made it count. News was not all rosy for the Colts on the offensive side. Devin Funches was drilled into the ground on a reception in that game last week against the Chargers. Funches has a broken collarbone. He's been placed on IR. He's going to have surgery if he hasn't had it already. That has him out eight weeks, and that is a blow to the Colts' offense because Funches is a tall receiver. He's a red zone threat. He has the ability to take the top off a of defense. That certainly hurts the potency and the potential of Jacoby Brissett in the pass game. Titans were pretty good against both the pass and the run against Cleveland. They gave up under 250 yards passing and just barely over 100 yards rushing. I think the Titans defense is as advertised and as I felt that they would be. While the Colts did lose last week, it is still back-to-back road games for them as this week they're in Tennessee. It's two teams that know each other obviously very well. I just, I'm feeling pretty good about the Titans right now, even though Corey Davis had an absolute goose egg in week one. I think that changes. I think he's too good to be kept off the stat sheet for that long. I think Tennessee wins this game, especially buoyed by being at home. We're going to take the Titans here. Let's take Tennessee over Indianapolis. On the line, the Titans are favored by three points at home. I like them to win. It's a relatively small price to pay. I'm going to be honest, a lot of my against the spread decisions were kind of made for me. And you'll see what I mean as we continue to go. It's just, it's a small price to pay. Let's lay those three points. Let's take Tennessee minus three. Total in the game set at 44 points. I've only got this thing capped at like a high 30, maybe pushing 40 points. So I feel pretty good about sticking under 44 points in Indianapolis, Tennessee. Let's go Tennessee 21, Colts 17.
Let's go to New York now for the first time where the Giants are going to play host to the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo winning last week, coming into this game. It's their second straight road game, so they're on the back-to-back roadies. That does definitely hurt them, as we've seen historically in the past. Giants losing that game last week in Dallas, basically getting doubled up, I think. I lost my scores here. Where did they go? Where did they go? What was the score? Yeah, 35-17. to So they did get doubled up, but look, the Dallas Cowboys are going to be real good this season. So I don't put a ton of stock into that Giants loss. I expected them to lose the game. Buffalo had to come from behind to beat the Jets in week one. That game was in New York. They did have to come from behind and really the game changed when there was a significant injury on the Jets defensive side, which we'll talk about when we talk about the Jets and Cleveland game, which I believe is the Monday nighter. But the Bills were definitely able to move the football in that game. 370 yards of offense, 128 of them coming on the ground. And don't look now, but I think they might have something in Devin Singletary. But speaking of moving the ball, the Giants with a top 10 total offense after the first week. Who in the world would have sat here and said that? Over 300 yards passing and over a buck 50 on the ground. That's not a gigantic surprise in the ground game because obviously you have Saquon Barkley and he's a monster. But to move the ball for over 300 yards passing on what I feel like is a pretty decent secondary in Dallas and especially with the quarterback question mark that we had, probably the biggest question mark for the Giants heading into this season, the quarterback situation, the injuries at receiver, the fact that they moved the ball for over 300 yards passing Has to be a pretty good sign. Big game for my dynasty tight end, Evan Engram. There's a helicopter coming in over me, so I'm going to try to be quick about this last point. The Giants have won three straight head-to-head matchups. Now, look, that dates back to 2007. These two teams do not play each other very often. However, the most recent game was just back in 2015, and actually the Giants were six-and-a-half-point dogs in that game and wound up winning the game by, like, two possessions outright. So the Giants do historically play the Bills fairly well. The Giants are underdogs here in this game again. I kind of like them to win with, again, with the back-to-back road games for Buffalo. I don't exactly see that young team necessarily adjusting to that immediately. So I kind of like the Giants here. It's a bit of an upset, a bit of an underdog play, but I'm going to take the Giants at home. Let's take New York to upset the Buffalo Bills in New York. Against the spread, Bills are two-point favorites on the road. Obviously, that makes the Giants two-point dogs. I like them to win outright, so let's take those points and go Giants plus two. Total in the game set at 43.5 points, another total that I think is pretty darn near perfect. Vegas did a good job with their totals this week, but... I think my stronger lean here is probably on the under. I think these two teams are capable of playing some defense. We certainly know the Buffalo Bills are. I think that defense is going to be sneaky good this year, as I've mentioned before. Let's skew on the under here. We're going to go under 43.5 points. Let's go Giants 23, Bills 20. Let's go to Pittsburgh now where the Steelers fresh off that embarrassment on Sunday night football against the Patriots. They got absolutely blown out in that game. Now they get to play host to the Seattle Seahawks who did pick up the win, but it wasn't exactly the the easiest road. So yeah, Pittsburgh got absolutely destroyed. 
in New England. Uh, there's no other way to put it. 33-3. to They got stomped. They couldn't do anything on the offensive side. The defense could not make a stop. And look, I get it. It's Tom Brady. It's the Patriots. Their efficiency is off the chart. I understand that. But look, this was if this was week one. If you couldn't get up for this matchup in week one, that's a problem, especially with a very good football team coming in to play you this week. Seattle, again, I expected that they would have an easier time in their matchup against Cincinnati in week one. Wasn't the case. At the very least, they did enough to win the football game. I need to see that offensive line play better. I'm definitely expecting a bounce back game here from James Conner. I mean, the Steelers as a team only ran the ball for 32 yards. That's gross. <laughs> like that's, I hate to say it. That's kind of like that's that's crazy. Because James Conner is a much better back than that. And the Steelers are a much better running football team than that. So the fact that they could only accumulate 32 either means the Pats run defense is really good. Or the Steelers were just like, well, we're so far behind now. We can't really run the ball. Look, it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. But Steelers definitely look will look for a better performance from the ground game against Seattle. This is another matchup, a cross-conference matchup. These two teams don't play each other a lot. But of note, head-to-head, the home favorite, which Pittsburgh is in this game, has won the last five of these head-to-head matchups, and the home team has won nine of the last ten. Now, you got to go all the way back to 1992 to get that stat, but... The home team definitely has the edge when these two teams seem to face off. So the fact that Pittsburgh is a home favorite, even though they played really poorly uh, on Sunday night, I think I have to take them here because, again, Seattle historically doesn't exactly travel the best. So I think I got to lean the Steelers here. It's not exactly a crazy confident pick, but I think I'm just going to lean on the trend there. Let's take Pittsburgh over Seattle in Pittsburgh. But we are flat out hedging our bets on this one because you got to pay the extra half point here. Pittsburgh favored by three and a half points against the spread. I've got to hedge. I absolutely have to hedge my bet here. We're going to go Seattle plus three and a half just because I want to get a piece of something of this game. What I do feel fairly confident about though is the total. The total is set at 46 and a half points here. I've got this thing capped at a low 50, so 50, 51, somewhere in that range. So I feel pretty good about saying Seattle and Pittsburgh go over 46 and a half points. Let's go Pittsburgh 26, Seattle 25. Let's go to Houston now where the Texans on the short week because they just played last night on Monday Night Football, a a, a devastating loss in New Orleans. So they're on the short week, but they get to play the Jacksonville Jaguars here in Houston. This is a division matchup, but the Jaguars definitely limp into this football game. Sure, Houston's on the short week, and there may be a little bit of concern about Deshaun Watson's back. He did kind of take a bad bump, actually a couple of bad bumps in that game against New Orleans. And at one point, the Saints defense just had their ears pinned back and they were just coming for him. But he does likely have a small bruise on his back. He was talking about that at halftime with one of the sideline reporters. So that may be something to monitor. I don't think he's going to miss any time, but he may be a little limited once that really starts to get sore today or tomorrow. But obviously that's nothing compared to the big injury news for Jacksonville. Nick Foles goes down in week one, broken 
clavicle. He had surgery. He's on the injured reserve. He might be back by week 11. But this Jags team now, all of a sudden, without the quarterback that they thought was going to turn it around. So really, for the next, uh, God, two months, we're looking at if the Jags can't win the game with their defense, you should probably fade the Jags. They're not a great road team to begin with. I'm all over Houston in this matchup. Let's take the Texans at home to hang a loss on Jacksonville. On the line, though, Houston's favored by nine points. I think that's too many for me in a division game with two teams that can play defense. Jacksonville obviously going to be predicated on their defense. Uh, boy, I, I'm, 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 even with the Foles injury, I'm surprised at nine points. I figured this would be somewhere around a touchdown and I'd certainly have to think about it. Nine's just too many for me. So I think we're going to hedge our bets on that one and grab the Jags plus the nine points. I think they keep it relatively close. Total in the game set at 43.5 points. I do feel pretty good about this one because who knows what the Jags are going to be able to do on the offensive side. I've only got this thing capped at like a mid-30, maybe pushing a high 30. Feel really good about under 43.5 points in Jacksonville, Houston. Let's go Texans 21, Jags 16. Now we go to Oakland, another divisional matchup. We got the Raiders on the short week, winning in the late Monday nighter last night. A really strong performance against the Denver Broncos on the offensive side, certainly. And even on the defensive side, that defense definitely got churned up in the black hole. Oakland playing host to the Kansas City Chiefs. So hey, congrats Oakland, you won the final Monday Night Football game in Oakland's history. Your reward for doing so is having to play the Chiefs in Week 2. Congratulations. Now, all is not swell for the Chiefs. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the episode, Tyreek Hill. He is going to be out for an extended period of time. He's got a jammed collarbone. It's likely that he's going to miss a few weeks. This is now the Sammy Watkins and Mecole Hardman show in terms of the receiving game, along with, of course, Travis Kelsey, for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a downgrade, but man, Watkins had a hell of a game in week one. And the Chiefs are also on back-to-back road games. Look, they won last week on the road. Very difficult thing to do. This is an elite team in this league, but you definitely have to account for the fact that they did win on the road last week. I was very impressed with Josh Jacobs for the Oakland Raiders in his NFL debut. Over 100 yards from scrimmage. I believe he had a rush touchdown and a receiving touchdown. He was exactly as advertised. I've been saying it. I've been beating that drum that of all the rookies, Josh Jacobs was always the one that was going to be in the position to succeed the most right from the start because there's nobody else in that backfield to challenge him for the number one spot. So outside of an injury, Josh Jacobs is the 2019 version of Saquon Barkley. Not as good, obviously, as Saquon Barkley, but he's the guy that's walking in unencumbered to a number one spot. And he displayed that in week one. Really good performance from Jacobs, and I was really happy to see it. The Chiefs in week one simply continued to do Chiefs things. They threw for 378 yards, they ran for well over 100, and they put up 40 points. Does that sound familiar? Because it sounds like all of last season to me. 
Now, of course, that was the game where Nick Foles got injured, so on the offensive side, it was kind of a garbage time sort of thing for the Jags to put up their 26 points. This Chiefs defense is still not very good, and I don't necessarily know how good the Raiders defense actually is. I think they were definitely buoyed in a big bad way playing against an offense in Denver that's not exactly the greatest, plus the fact that they were at home and they had an absolutely rabid crowd behind them. Lucky for Oakland, they're still going to have that. They're still going to be at home. They're still going to have that rabid crowd behind them. But it's a much better football team that is on the other side this time. And it's a football team that is very used to playing in loud buildings. KC, one of the loudest buildings in the league. There will be some people who have the balls to take Oakland in this matchup. There may even be a lot of people who have the balls to take Oakland in this matchup. I clearly am not one of them. I There's no money, as far as I'm concerned, there's no money to be made doubting the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. I'm assuming that Mahomes' injury is nothing. I'm hoping that it's nothing. But there's still more than enough weapons on that team for Kansas City to get the job done. We're going to take the Chiefs in Oakland to beat the Raiders. On the line, Raiders are nine and a half point dogs at home. Even after that performance, I expect this number is going to go down, probably be somewhere around plus eight at game time. I'm going to grab plus nine and a half now while I can. It's too many points. It's another division matchup, exactly like Jacksonville and Houston. That's just too many points. So we're going to take Oakland plus nine and a half, kind of hedging our bets, but I do still feel really good about the Chiefs. On the line, total set at 53.5 points. Another one that I think is pretty well a perfect total. I think this is like a true coin flip on the total. So this would be a lean if you'd want to call it that. I think I'm going to lean over on it because I know the potency of this Chiefs offense. And I saw glimpses of what this Oakland offense might be able to do this year, even without Antonio Brown. So stick it, Antonio. I think I got to go over on this one. So we're going to go over. 53 and a half points in Oakland KC. Let's go Chiefs 31, Raiders 24. Let's go to Denver now. Broncos going to limp into their home opener to play host to what should be a very pissed off Chicago Bears team. Denver, like Oakland, having to play on the short week, having played on Monday Night Football. Chicago getting the benefit of the long week, having played on opening night against the Packers, obviously losing that game 10-3, to and they have to be really upset about the offense's complete inability to put up points on a Packers defense that you would think they'd be able to put up points on. But neither one of those teams in that game, that Chicago Green Bay, neither one of those teams were able to establish any kind of a run game whatsoever. The two teams combined for 93 rushing yards. 46 for Chicago, 47 for Green Bay. That's uh, not ever going to be good enough. The Broncos, on their own, generated more rushing yards than those two teams combined from week one. Broncos ran the ball for 95 yards. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Obviously headed up by that two-headed monster, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. That running combination is going to be good all season long. They're only able to generate 16 points off of the Raiders' defense. And I think Denver, I think what they did in that game is I think they just, they played right into what Oakland wanted them to play into, which was grit, and they played into the mentality of the black hole. 
And I think when you do that, you're going to lose. You ever heard the expression, uh, somebody dragging you down to their level and then beating you with experience? That was kind of what I felt like the Raiders did to the Broncos in week one. I think they drug the Broncos down to their level and then they beat them because they're better at it. So I do expect better things from Denver moving forward. Not necessarily this week. I do expect the Chicago Bears to come out and absolutely clobber Denver I expect this to be a two-possession football game most of the way. We're going to take the Chicago Bears in Denver to hang a second straight loss on the Broncos. On the line, however, Denver's favored by a point. I don't see it. If you look at this roster top to bottom for both teams, I don't see Denver being the one-point favorite here. So uh, we are definitely going to take that single point. Since we like Chicago to win, let's take the Bears plus one and thank you for the gift vegas total in the game set at 40 and a half points this is pretty well another our second straight like perfect total and i think this is probably what the fifth total that i would say is like just absolutely perfect so vegas really did a great job another true coin flip here but i think i'm going to skew on the over just barely because i do think chicago is going to put up their points making up for last week because that offense is nowhere near that bad so we're going to skew on the over here. It's a bit of a lean. Over 40 and a half points in Denver, Chicago. Let's go Bears 26, Broncos 15. Let's go to Los Angeles now. Rams and Saints, both teams winners last week, only but only by a combined five points. So both of these teams played close football games last week. Rams with a 30-27 victory over Carolina, and the Saints with that aforementioned two-point win, 30-28 at home against Houston on a Will Lutz bomb of a field goal, and I that got me out of my seat. Right at the end of that game, how Houston came down in two plays, scored a touchdown, took the lead, and then Drew Brees, with under a minute left to go, marches down the field, gives them a chance, boom, Will Lutz hits a monster field goal, Saints win on Monday night. Of injury note here for the Rams, uh, Eric Weddle had that really scary looking uh, collision in that game with Carolina last week, where he had the head injury, had a contusion, was bleeding. He does have a head injury. He is in concussion protocol. To my knowledge, has not cleared concussion protocol yet. So that's a situation to watch because like Eric Weddle is a really, really good safety in this league. And if they don't have Eric Weddle deep in their secondary there, I, I worry that the Saints are going to be able to have a much easier time moving the football through the air when you don't have to worry about a guy like Eric Weddle back there. If I had to guess one way or the other, I would think Eric Weddle would play. But I mean, if he does have a concussion, I think he's got a little bit of a history with concussions too. So they may play it safe. Of note, the Rams have won the last three head-to-head -head matchups and four of the last five head-to-head -head matchups that have taken place at home, whether that's in Los Angeles or in St. Louis. So the Rams have definitely gotten the better of the head-to-head -head matchup lately. I think the Saints are the better team, but like defensively, that defense did not look great to me last night. That's to take nothing away from the Houston Texans. The Texans are a good offensive football team and have a lot of weapons to move the football. I think they proved that last night. DeAndre Hopkins may be the best wide receiver in football. I think we've all been sleeping on Will Fuller. The run game, I think, is going to be good. So they've definitely got pieces that can move the football to say nothing of the guy playing quarterback. But 
there's something undeniable. I don't know. The Saints defense, man, they're like they're like a clutch black hole. Like you put them in a pressure situation and it seems like they buckle like a belt every single time. Also have to take into account that the Saints are playing on the short week, given that they just played last night. Only got six days in between games. I would rather err on the side of Drew Brees than err on the side of not Drew Brees. <laughs> There's just something about that guy, man. That That's a that's a first ballot. Well, whether they had won the Super Bowl or not, that's a first ballot Hall of Famer right there. There's no, there's no question about that. I think when the dust settles on the whole Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees touchdown record, I think Drew Brees is going to have it. This was an absolute coin flip football game to me. I'm going to go with the underdogs here. I'm going to take the Saints in Los Angeles. That may seem like a bad play, and it's a play that I'm certainly even doubting myself on, but I'm going to take the Saints here on the road in Los Angeles. Let's take New Orleans to beat the Rams. On the line, Rams are three-point favorites at home. It's about what I would have expected. I think these are two very even football teams. The field goal difference just based on the Rams being at home. If this game was in New Orleans, I'm sure the Saints would be three-point favorites. But since I like the Saints to win, or since I'm taking the Saints to win at least, we're going to take those three points. Uh, At worst, it's a hedge, but let's take New Orleans plus three. Total in the game set at 53 points. I feel really good about the over in this one. I've got this capped at a high 50, like 58, 59, maybe even pushing a 60. So let's go over 53 points in New Orleans, Los Angeles. Let's go Saints 30, Rams 29. Let's go to Atlanta now where the Falcons are going to come home and welcome in the Philadelphia Eagles. Falcons on the losing end of that Minnesota game uh, in week one, 28 to 12, and Atlanta really couldn't get anything going on the offensive side of the ball. I worry about their offensive line. Their rookie right guard, I believe, is now either done for the year or might have been put on IR or something like that. I worry about the offensive line, especially against a team like Philadelphia, who can pass rush very well and have some elite guys there in their front seven. That's a concern for sure, and it's definitely a downtick for the run game. Devonta Freeman, I think, is going to find it tough sledding in this game. Uh, Eagles winning a 32-27 divisional game at home against Washington. I knew that was too many points. That was one of the ATS plays that I wound up getting right in week one. So uh, a special place in my heart that game has. Uh, 32-27, obviously the offense, if you score 32 points, you got to feel pretty good about that. Eagles moved the ball in both phases, over 300 yards passing, over 120 yards on the ground as well with that uh, 18-headed monster they have in their backfield. But look, at least for one week, that backfield played out very well. I'm not going to say Atlanta had a bad game offensively, even though they only scored 12 points. They moved the ball fairly well, over 270 yards passing. The ground game left something to be desired. They only put up 73 yards rushing against Minnesota. Minnesota, a good run-stopping team, don't get me wrong, but you're going to need more than that if you're the Falcons. You've got Devonta Freeman back there. You're going to need a little bit more. Of note, the Eagles have won the last three straight head-to-head matchups. However, the Falcons have actually won the last two that took place in Atlanta. So this is another real coin flip game to me because it's like maybe the home field advantage means a little extra something here. I think Atlanta's offense definitely plays better in this football game. There are points to be had on the Eagles defense. I just think the Eagles are going to have a little bit more 
on the defensive side and a little bit more on the offensive side. Even though the game's in Atlanta, I think I got to lean on the Eagles here. Let's take Philadelphia on the road in Atlanta to beat the Falcons. On the line, Falcons are a single point dog in this game. So Philly minus one. We like the Eagles to win. It's the smallest of prices to pay. So we're going to go Eagles minus one. Total in the game set at 51 points. I've personally got this thing capped at a mid 50, maybe even pushing a high 50. So I feel pretty good about going over on this one. Let's go over 51 points in Philly, Atlanta. Let's go Eagles 29, Falcons 27. And the last game we're going to look at before we get into the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week two is the Monday night football game, the New York Jets at home playing host to the Cleveland Browns, who I think lost their preseason Super Bowl. Well, welcome back to Embarrassment Town, Cleveland Browns fans. I hope you enjoyed your stay away. Look, full disclosure, I had Tennessee winning that game. I didn't have them winning the game by 30 points, but I had them winning the game. Wow. For for all the, the dynamic pieces you have on that offense, to at home, mind you, only put up 13 points. That either means Tennessee's defense is even better than I thought they were, or Cleveland is who we thought they were. Jets let that Buffalo game slip away last week on their own home field, losing by a single point, 17-16. Look, they had that game. They should have won that game, but as soon as the injury to C.J. Mosley happened, the entire context of that football game changed. Mosley injured his groin. His status right now is unknown as of the last time that I checked. And I'm calling that a significant injury because Mosley's their play caller on defense. He's right there in the middle of the linebacking core. He is the engine of that defense, especially in the run game. But C.J. Mosley's a do-it-all linebacker, and if he misses significant amount of time, because, I mean, groin injuries, you never really know. He could be fine this week, or he could miss the next month. Groin injuries are just very unpredictable like that. So if he misses significant time, that's a real, real downtick for that Jets defense that I think was already questionable to begin with. Not to mention, uh, Quinnen, darn it, oh, I lost his name. Is it Quinnen Jefferson? He injured his ankle in that game, so this Jets defense, they're limping into this one. Editor's note, it is in fact Quinnen Williams. Certainly going to expect a bounce back game here for the Browns on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think the defense is going to be as bad as giving up 43 points because, I mean, at one point that game just became a total gong show. And I just don't think the Jets have the offensive upside to turn this game into an offensive gong show. So I expect the Browns offense to bounce back. I'm expecting probably 24 plus points from the Browns. I think this is one of those matchups, even though the game is in New York, like I am going to take the Browns. I expect the offense to ball out here a little bit against the Jets defense that is really vulnerable right now. So let's take Cleveland on the road in New York, especially given that injury situation for the Jets. Let's take the Browns to beat the Jets. On the line, Jets are two and a half point dogs at home. Cleveland two and a half point favorites, like them to win, small price to pay. Let's take Cleveland minus the two and a half points. Total in the game set at 46. I've got this capped right around a high 40, maybe even pushing a 50 on this one. So we're going to go over. Let's go over 46 points in Cleveland, New York. We're going to go Browns 27, Jets 22. 
Okay, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week two in the NFL, starting as always with the bronze pick, 1-0 straight up, and 0-1 on both of the betting plays against the spread and over-under. My bronze pick sees the Carolina Panthers at home taking on the Tampa Bay Bucks, and holy hell, is Jameis Winston ever going to get it together? He certainly showed no signs of getting it together in week one, throwing, I believe, multiple pick sixes in an embarrassing loss at home. Now you get to go on the road, go to Carolina, play a Panthers team that feels like they were right there to beat the Rams in week one. Honestly, I don't think the Panthers are going to feel all that bad about that loss because they were right there. And I think they're going to take out the frustrations of the fact that they didn't get it done get the feeling they're going to take that out on the Bucks. Definitely need to see more out of Cam Newton and the pass game for the Panthers. They only put up 216 yards passing in week one against the Rams. They did excellent on the ground. Obviously run CMC, Christian McCaffrey. They had 127 yards rushing as a team. Did the Panthers on their way to putting up 27 points on a Rams defense that I would argue is better than the Bucks. And uh, on the Bucks, like, oh boy. They ran the ball. You can say that. They ran the ball, which is a has been a chronic problem of theirs for years. But Jameis Winston only generated 174 pass yards. And on a team with O.J. Howard and Mike Evans, you should be able to put up more than that. I feel really good about the Panthers in this one. Let's take Carolina at home to start the Bucks off 0-2 Carolina over Tampa Bay. Against the spread, Panthers are favored by under a touchdown. Minus six and a half points. Thank you very much. We are going to hammer Carolina, lay those points. Panthers minus the six and a half. Total in the game set at 50 points exactly. I have this thing capped at a mid 50. So I'm going to go over on this one. Let's go over 50 points in Carolina, Tampa Bay. We're going to go Carolina 31, Tampa Bay 23. Panthers straight up, hammering the Panthers minus six and a half against the spread, over 50 points. That is your bronze pick. My silver pick, which I swept in week one, 1-0 straight up, 1-0 against the spread, and 1-0 over under, sees the Washington Redskins at home playing host to the Dallas Cowboys. I thought Washington had a pretty darn good performance last week against Philadelphia. Not the easiest matchup, and now they got back-to-back -back divisional games, which obviously not an easy task. Washington held their own with the Eagles in that game, buoyed by a 370-yard performance in the pass game. They had virtually nothing on the ground, but look, 370 yards passing? That was one of the elite passing performances of Week 1. Has them in the top five. But you know who put up the most pass yards in Week 1? Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. 405 yards passing the Cowboys put up on the Giants in week one. What a monster number on their way to 35 points. Now, neither one of these secondaries looked particularly impressive in week one. Washington gave up 313. Dallas gave up 319. But I think in the battle of which quarterback is going to win out, I think I'd have to take Dak Prescott in this. In the battle of which running back's going to win out, I think I'd have to take Zeke Elliott in this, and I'm going to have to take the Dallas Cowboys here, even though the game is in Washington. And look, all credit to Washington for their performance in week one. 
I just like Dallas in this matchup. Let's take the Cowboys on the road in Washington to start their season off 2-0 with two divisional wins. Let's take Dallas to beat Washington. On the line, Redskins are four and a half point dogs at home. Dallas favored by the four and a half. Honestly, it's under a touchdown, and I feel pretty good about that being the amount that separates these two teams, talent-wise, at least that. So we're going to take Dallas minus four and a half here because it's under a touchdown. Dallas minus four and a half. Total in the game set at 46 points. I only have this thing capped at a high 30. I think this is going to be a low-scoring football game. This is one of the totals that I feel the best about this week. We're going to stay under 46 points in Dallas, Washington. Let's go Cowboys 23, Redskins 15. Dallas straight up. We're hammering Dallas minus four and a half against the spread in a game that stays under 46 points. That is my silver pick. My gold pick where, like my bronze pick, I'm 1-0 straight up, but 0-1 against the spread and over-under sees the Baltimore Ravens with the most impressive offensive performance of week one, now getting to go home and take on the Arizona Cardinals. Full credit to Arizona for completing that comeback in week one against Detroit. That, of course, was in Arizona, so it was in their own building. But look, full credit to them. They came from behind. They forced the game into overtime. Even looked like they had a chance to win that football game. Detroit tying it up again. Game ends 27-27, which actually 27 points is the exact point amount that I said that the Detroit Lions would get. I only thought Arizona would get 19. They Look, full credit to them. They, got, they did that. They got that tie. And honestly, I think they have to feel fairly good about that because what are the expectations for this team really? Even though you've got David Johnson, you've got Larry Fitzgerald, and now you've got Kyler Murray. Even though you've got all that, what really are the expectations for the Cardinals? Baltimore, I mean, my God, what what else can you say about Baltimore? 643 yards of total offense in that game for the Baltimore Ravens where they absolutely decimated the Miami Dolphins. 378 yards passing for Lamar Jackson. Five passing touchdowns. As he said, not bad for a running back. Baltimore putting up 265 yards on the ground on their way to 59 points. Do I think they're going to repeat that scoring performance? No, of course not. That would be silly. But I do think they're still going to put up a lot of points. There wasn't a lot that I saw in that Detroit-Arizona game that really made me like a believer in Arizona's defense. I feel like that's always going to be their Achilles heel. I don't think they're a, a super solid defensive team. They gave up 477 yards of total offense to Detroit in that game in week one. Baltimore is going to be able to exploit them through the air and on the ground. One thing to cause a little bit of pause for the Ravens on the injury side of things, Jimmy Smith at cornerback spraining his MCL. He's going to be out multiple weeks. But for the Ravens, that's such a team defense that it, I think it's just next man up. I don't think that's going to cause gigantic rippling problems through the Ravens defense in the same way as like the C.J. Mosley injury I think will cause for the New York Jets. Two completely different scenarios. I think the Ravens defense is going to be fine here. I'm all over Baltimore in this football game. Baltimore is my survival pick, by the way. Let's take Baltimore at home to beat Arizona. Start their season 2-0. On the line, this is our second biggest spread of the week. 
Baltimore favored by 13 full points. Now, you know how I don't like double-digit spreads. And uh, I started doing this a little bit last year. I picked this up from some of my my CFL Twitterverse uh, uh, people, a, a phrase that I've enjoyed using. So what I'm doing right now is I'm holding my nose because I'm going to take Baltimore minus the 13 points. It's too many for me, but I don't trust Arizona. Not in the least. Should I just do a full episode like this sometime? Oh, God, now my nose is running. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take Baltimore minus 13. Um, I don't think there's a good play (laughs) for this game against the spread whatsoever. This is a prime tease. If you can tease this down to minus 7, that's great. Hammer that. But I am going to take the minus 13 and feel at least a little bit gross about it. Total in the game set at 46.5 points. I have this thing set at like kept like a low 40, like 40, 41, somewhere in that range. So I think this game stays under. We're going to go under 46 and a half points in Arizona, Baltimore. Let's go Baltimore 28, Arizona 12. I don't think Arizona finds the end zone. Let's give them four field goals. So Baltimore straight up. We are taking Baltimore minus 13 against the spread and feeling kind of gross about it in a game that stays under 46 and a half points. That is your gold pick and the platinum pick to the surprise of no one, the New England Patriots on the road in Miami to take on the Dolphins. Arguably one of the best performances of week one versus clearly the worst. I'm not going to insult your intelligence by giving you a breakdown as to why I'm taking the Patriots in this game, but I'm taking the Patriots in this game. I don't expect a repeat performance of what happened last time these two teams played in Miami. Two completely different teams. So, Patriots, obviously, we're going to be taking in this game straight up. Now, on the line, the Patriots are favored by 18 and a half points. Is this college? Am I Billy B? Am I doing college picks? Like, oh my God, 18 and a half points. Um, so, I took Baltimore minus 13. I don't think I can take New England to cover that number. And it's not that I don't think they're going to cover that number. It's that I can't take it. Like it's, it's the NFL. Like I just, I'm just, I'm just not doing it. So we're going to take, Oh God, we're going to take Miami plus 18 and a half points. I think I'm going to throw up Uh, total in the game set at 48 points. Again, another one that I think is pretty well, a perfect total. I have a bit of a stronger lean on this one. Let's go over the 48. Cause I mean, look, Based on their performance last week, who's to say New England doesn't put that up on their own? So we're going to go over the 48 points. Let's go New England 33, Miami 16. Patriots straight up, but we're going Miami plus 18 and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 48 points. That is your platinum pick. There you go, folks. The picks are now in for week two of the 2019 NFL season. I really like how this episode went. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. It's time now for the patented, the return of the patented comment of the week. Now, I was very tempted to take uh, Gio's comment, which simply said first, and uh, he would have been the first to get the first comment of the week, but uh, I don't think we're going to do that. Comment of the week from the week one video goes to Half Moon's Picks, who I am taking on this week in fantasy. His comment was, Jimmy G equals good, Winston equals not good. Start fading now. So him and I kind of had a little back and forth here uh, about not even necessarily like, 
that Winston's good and whatever. It's 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 funny. It's a funny comment because it's like it it was it's half right. Um, James Winston was not good. He was very not good in that football game. So you definitely nailed that one. Only had 174 yards passing. But Jimmy G's good. Jimmy G only threw for 158. Granted, the 49ers won the game. So that's really what matters. But I just don't necessarily know that it was Jimmy G who caused the Niners to win that football game. But in any case, Half Moon's Picks, yours is the comment of the week from the week one episode. And a minor shout out to Gio for being the first one to say first. All right, everybody, week two episode now in the books. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you enjoy the games coming up this week. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled, as always, by the incredible folks at Nerd Tease. Bit of a programming note, I do work early tomorrow morning, which means I'm probably going to film my CFL show today, and that will be out early, early, early tomorrow morning. Keep an eye out for that one. Enjoy the NFL games in week two. We'll see you again for the hat trick week three. I'm Canadian. I have to get the hockey references in there.